have to share one of my very favorite quotes with you. And um, it comes from Newberry author Catherine Patterson. Read it to me is a test. Let me read it to you is a gift. And if we view that time spent reading to our children as a gift, then we approach it as not something we have to do, but rather something that we want to do. Listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is, you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries. So if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. Many of you know I love Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook, and I've long wanted to chat with Jim about that book that's beloved by so many of us. Well, Jim himself is retired, but he did choose someone to update and carry on the work of that beautiful book, and that's Cindy Georges. We get to meet her today on the show. I think you're going to find she's our kind of people. That's what is in store in today's episode. Now, we've heard you loud and clear. It is really, really hard to focus on homeschooling right now with everything that's happening in the world. School years are always hard to finish strong, I think, but this year it feels especially hard. But you still want to finish your school year well, right? And so do we. So we've got a brand new workshop series for your kids that will help you spice up your home learning and finish your kids' school year with a big win. It's called WOW. Writers on Writing. These are weekly workshops taught by published children's book authors starting next week, May 12th, 2020, and carrying on for six weeks. Your kids will take the live workshop each week to learn specific skills like adding sensory details to their writing or creating creative uh, nonfiction, the art of revision, harvesting stories from their own lives, these kinds of things, all from some of our own favorite authors, and then they'll also get writing prompts that will help them practice those specific skills they learned during the workshop throughout the week. If you need to liven things up, this is a fabulous solution. You can use it as your writing curriculum for the end of the school year, and I think you and your kids will be glad you did. It's happening in RAR Premium, so head to rarpremium.com to join us. If you are a premium member, you don't need to register in advance or pay anything extra to participate. It's all a part of your RAR premium membership. And if you're not an RAR premium member and you're interested in joining us, head to rarpremium.com and then join for a month or a quarter so that you don't miss the fabulous workshop series. We're so excited to bring this to your kids and help you get a big win right here at the finish line to the school year. Before I chat with today's guest, I'm going to take a listener question. 
Hi, Sarah. This is Bethany Stewart. During quarantine, we haven't been able to go to the library, of course, and we don't want to buy a million new books. Um, it's been okay so far because we've been reading some of our big compilations, um, a Madeline Treasury, the Brambley Hedge Collection, a, a Richard Scarry Busy Town Collection, a book of fairy tales. I wondered if... Um, we want to buy something that has a lot of bang for our buck. Do you have a recommendation for a treasury, a compilation, um, source, some sort of anthology for us? Thank you. I sure do. And what a great question. On episode 78 of the podcast, I talked about some of my favorite picture book treasuries. So I just pulled that up. And you can find this whole list at readaloudrevival.com slash 78. Um, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I once upon a time on this show, I said I didn't love treasuries because I felt like picture book treasuries are harder to snuggle up with. But then I was, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Converted. <laughs> I had my ways were in remedied because I realized how helpful picture book treasuries are, especially for longer reading sessions for taking on errands, you know, if you're going to be sitting in a waiting room or, um, or in our current case, when you need to get a lot of bang for your buck, like you said. So, um, so here's a few of my favorites. If you want to see the whole list, go to readaloudrevival.com slash 78. Uh, my my own very favorite is The Magical World of Streganona, which is a treasury by Tommy DePaola. Um, that one is beautiful, and it's also got some fun music and a CD and some recipes in the back. So that's got some fun extra perks. Jan Brett has an animal treasury that came out just a few years ago that is especially lovely. Uh, let's see. There's also one that contains Robert McCloskey books, which I think are just gold standard. So if you are, it's one of those names that if you see anything by Robert McCloskey, you should just get it because everything he's made is amazing. Um, and that has things like blueberries for sale and make way for ducklings and uh, uh, one morning in Maine and all, of, you know, a bunch of a bunch of his works. And then another treasury we just adore and that sees a lot of use at our house is the Little House Treasury which is the Little House picture books uh, that were based on Laura Ingalls Wilder's original novels, but they have been adapted for picture books using a lot of the same language from the originals and paired with Renee Grafe's lovely, lovely, lovely illustrations. That treasury gets a lot of use at our house. So those are just a few favorites. We're going to put them all in today's show notes, uh, but you can also see the whole list of favorite picture book treasuries. It looks like there are, I don't know, 12 or 13 books on this list. And I'll see if I want to add any here too, um, because treasuries are a really wonderful way to, like you said, pack a lot of punch. And if you can only buy a few books right now, uh, but you want to widen your children's selection at home, a treasury is a fantastic way to do it. Well, Cindy Georges is a passionate advocate for reading aloud. She's a professor of literacy education and children's literature at Arizona State University and has worked as a classroom teacher, a school librarian, and a teacher educator. Last year, she completed the revisions and additions to the eighth edition of Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook, 
and she's going to be continuing with upcoming updates to that book. She is clearly our kind of people. You're going to love her. Today, she's going to give us a little sneak peek behind that process of updating Jim Trelease's Read Aloud Handbook. This eighth edition has updated research. It has an entirely new and really excellent chapter on visual literacy, and she also gives new book recommendations. This eighth edition was just released this past September. The new version has my favorite cover yet. It's so beautiful. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, of course, readaloudrevival.com slash 153, so you can see for yourself. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, Jim Trelease himself chose Cindy to be the steward of his message, so of course I've been chomping at the bit to talk to her, and <laughs> I'm glad that she's here. Um, I started by asking Cindy what it was like to meet Jim Trelease. I haven't actually physically met him. Um, we communicate from by phone and obviously um, through email. Mm -hmm. But, you know, through those exchanges, I mean, I have to tell you that Jim Trelease is one of the kindest, most supportive and gracious individuals I've ever met. He's also this really fabulous storyteller. And when I talk with him on the phone, he always has these great stories to share you know, this book really is a, it's a gift, isn't it? Um, and, and I think you refer to it as that. Um, because I think what is truly it is, and what I hope it always will be, is, is just somebody who was so passionate about something that they observed that was missing from a child's life. And he became this very voracious and, and very vocal advocate for reading aloud. Yeah, I mean, his love for children and for story and then for j just for the simple and powerful gift of reading aloud. It comes through, I think, on every single page of every edition I've read of this book. Uh, and it's what captured my heart the first time that I read it as well. So let's talk about the um, the updates to it, uh, because I imagine that would have been a very daunting task to um I'm trying to imagine what you must have felt like taking this book and bringing it into an eighth edition um, and wanting to do it justice, you know, and wanting to make sure you're carrying it forward. I just imagine that be feeling really daunting. So tell me what, what kind of changes you were looking to make with this eighth edition. Daunting is a good word. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I carried this book with me everywhere. Um, every time I had a few minutes, I, I sat down and I read it. I don't know. I think just even the physical act of just having it with me all the time, mm -hmm. um, like there was something that was going to magically happen that I could find my way into it because part of it is Jim's voice is so strong um, in the previous editions. And, and how could I find my way into the book um, and bring myself into it, but, but retain why this book has been so popular for so long. So I, I looked at the structure of it, first of all, and I like the question and response format of it. And I think that really works because a lot of these questions are questions you've probably heard parents ask, and I certainly have. Um, but there's also a lot of questions that I don't think parents have even thought of um, about the role and the importance of reading aloud. So when I was thinking about what what was it and what could I bring to this, um, in addition to updating the research and things like that, mm -hmm. um, one of my passions and beliefs is about um, you know visual literacy and the visual aspect of books. So I created a whole new chapter about the artistic and design elements in picture books, and and also talk about the uniqueness of illustrated and graphic novels. You know, kids are just so visual and they're immediately drawn to illustrations. I wanted to give 
parents and kids the language to talk about what they're seeing and that illustrations not only enhance the text, but sometimes they actually tell a secondary story. And so it's important to slow down and savor the whole book and not just focus on the text. I heard an illustrator once compare a picture book to holding a mini museum in your hands. Yes. So if we view illustrations as artistic works, then we can really help kids appreciate the visual world around them. Yeah, I love how you you take the time in this chapter on visual literacy and reading aloud um, on the artifact of a book, you know, the size and the shape and the feel and weight of it. And then the the artistic elements that go into the illustrations do so much storytelling. I love that you've taken the pages to point those out because until someone pointed out you know, what a border, you talk about borders and frames and end papers and front matter and typography. These are things that we dig into when we when we do our family book clubs at Read Aloud Revival because they tell so much of the story. They help you love a book so much better, I think. Um, and so I love this chapter. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because I think that, you know, we, we, we start a book and we always think it starts on the, the page where the text first begins. But so often a book begins on the cover or sometimes you take off the dust jacket and there I always call them little hidden treasure, you know, and there's a different illustration on the hard casing of the book that as opposed to just on the dust jacket. And then this, as you mentioned, the end papers. So often stories begin on the end papers. Um, like there's a book called Oh No by Candace Fleming. Oh, I love that book. <laughs> Don't you love that? I know I love that book too. And you know, right on that, remember the end papers where there's a tiger and he's lurking, you know, in, in, in the trees. And then there's that frog that's jumping kind of out of the frame almost. And that's where the story begins. And if you miss that first part of those end papers, you kind of miss a little something going into the book. So um, I, and as you mentioned, the typography, it's like, there's a reason why the font appears in a certain way or there's, you know, just how expressive um, it helps you read the text. So um, every single part of a, a book, a picture book and chapter books and, and illustrated novels and, and graphic novels, there's intentional decisions made um, for each part of that book. So I'm glad you liked the chapter. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that because I, I wanted to bring that piece to the Read Loud Handbook um, and thinking about the whole, the whole book. And then I also appreciate your section here on graphic novels, which we've talked about a little bit on this show, because I do think for a lot of us as parents, we think uh, you even start the section saying, as adults, we probably have some sort of comic book reading in our past. I think we think of uh, the modern graphic novels as the kind of, you know, maybe the Garfield books or something that we read when we were kids. And uh, a graphic novel does a lot more than that these days than it used to. And so it can live a lot more vibrantly on the page than we might expect. And so so I like that like that you've got a whole section here for that as well. And research is showing that um, it actually takes more on the part of the reader to read a grasp graphic novel than um, it does other type of just, you know, straight text because they have to fill in so much between those frames, between those panels. And kids are really drawn to graphic novels and, and there's so many ways to read them, especially as read aloud, because a lot of it's told through speech bubbles. And just think about a family, you know, just taking different parts of reading aloud a graphic novel. So I think 
at first we're a little like, oh, what do I do with this? And then you start slowing down and again, looking at the book and realizing how much fun is this to read? Yeah, exactly. Anything else you want to mention about the updates that you've made to the book that we should make sure we know about? I, one thing is about technology. Okay. And um, I love Jim and he's, but he's a little adverse to technology. So <laughs> I had to um, kind of find a, a way to talk about technology, but because it's such an important part of our life today. I mean, it's we, we can't ignore, especially right now, right? With, we're so reliant on technology to right. bring us um, the outside world. So I did talk a lot more about how we can utilize technology with audiobooks, with ebooks, and also with book apps, how that can enhance or, or even change the experience, but still is a way to go into the Reload experience with parents and kids. So the technology was something woven throughout the book and how it's impacting us and how it's impacting reading as well. Cindy, what do you think is most important for today's modern families to know about reading aloud? I have to share one of my very favorite quotes with you. And um, it comes from Newbery author, Catherine Patterson. Read it to me is a test. Let me read it to you is a gift. And if we view that time spent reading to our children as a gift, then we approach it as not something we have to do, but rather something that we want to do. And we should consider reading aloud, not just at bedtime, but anytime. Grab a book, read it at breakfast to start the day, or as a special time that we set aside on the weekend, or think about reading aloud in other forms, such as the sibling read aloud time. And, you know, audiobooks I just mentioned, they're also a great way to enjoy a story together, either at home or in the car. We spend a lot of time in the car sometimes. And we can read books on our digital devices, but it's important that it's still that time spent reading together and the interaction that it provides between the parent and child. And just having books available throughout the house and in the car and and wherever we are so that there's always ready access to them. And they just become part of our everyday lives. I think I just want to say that parents should remember that some of the most powerful memories their children will have is being read aloud to. It's so true. And you know, uh, my husband will often say that he doesn't have a lot of specific memories of elementary school, but what he remembers, and definitely his fondest memories of school were when his teacher read aloud. He remembers the books she read. He remembers the lilt of her voice and the way she sat in the chair and the look of the the book in her hands. And it's a very vivid memory for him. And I think we it feels very simple. You know, it feels almost too easy to be effective. Like this can't really make as big of a difference as we think it does. But then it's lasting. And so I love that so much. And to think of it as a gift, as a gift that we give our children as an act of love. Yeah, that's good stuff. And and when we select gifts, when we think about the gifts we give to our children, I mean, we select them for a variety of different reasons. And so when we select the books that we read aloud, we also want to think about, you know, well, why am I selecting this? And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But if we think about it and we approach it, this is a gift I'm giving to my child. I think we, we think about it just a little bit differently. 
Yeah, that's so true. As you were doing research, Cindy, did anything in particular surprise you? Yes. Um, One area of research was about the influence of dads reading to their children. Hmm. Um, In the seventh edition, Jim had included a short chapter on this topic. And there's been some additional research indicating that dads have a profound impact on their children's literacy development, especially boys. Hmm. And boys often view reading as a feminine activity because most of the time, they the people they see or hear reading um, are their mothers or teachers in early grades. Right. And so men reading aloud to boys and even boys seeing the male role models in their lives reading is so important. I don't think I realize the impact that men have on boys and girls' literacy development. So that, that surprised me. And one thing that unfortunately actually didn't surprise me, but kind of disappoints me is Mm. something that the Scholastic Kids and Family Reading Report has shown over the years. Mm -hmm. The most recent study published this year shows that reading aloud to very young children is actually on the rise, which is great. What isn't so great is that fewer parents are reading to their children after the age of nine. Mm. And why is this? Kids start reading independently around that age. And so there's this belief that we don't need to read to kids anymore because they can read on their own, right? But kids don't stop learning vocabulary at age nine, and they're probably now encountering more rare and unique words in their reading than they probably know, and and now they're probably just going to skip over it instead of learning what that word means. They also aren't hearing fluent reading, and they may not be discussing the books that they're reading independently that would enhance their comprehension. So again, going back to you know what I said earlier about being the gift, reading aloud creates that special bond and we don't ever want to miss an opportunity to do that. So don't stop reading to your child once your child begins reading independently because it still is that gift that we can continue to give. Um, what about recommendations? So I know that like the last, oh, is it a full half of the book, do you think? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, yes. Half of the book is recommendations. And that's no easy task. It feels, I think, uh, you know, in, you can kind of think, oh, it's a list of books. But I put a lot of book recommendations in the Read Aloud family. And it's a lot of work to make a really good list of book recommendations and talk about them, you know, give a little, a little information so people can skim this, you know, whatever you have to say about the book and makes them want to read it. So um, I just my hats off to you because there this is no small task. Um, And I found so many favorites. On your list, actually, I can I can see just flipping through these pages right away, several additions to the uh, book list. But tell me about a few of your favorite books that you added. Well, you're right. I mean, it's like, what do you include? And and that's what was a really difficult decision. There's there, there so many classics, right, that yeah. we want children to hear, such as Where the Wild Things Are or Streganona or Charlotte's Web. And, and it's really important to include those books. But there's also so many lists out there that contain, you know, what your child should hear, what your child should know. So I, I had to find a balance between you know, those classics Mm -hmm. that are essentially part of kids' literary literary heritage 
But I also wanted to offer some newer titles that may or may not become classics, but are just really good books to read aloud. So, for example, kids really enjoy hearing nonfiction read aloud, and there's so many nonfiction books written in a narrative style today. So books like Giant Squid by Candace Fleming with stunning illustrations yes. by Eric Roman. It's a great read aloud. Or Balloons Over Broadway by Melissa Sweet mm-hmm. that shares the story of how the balloons became such an important part of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And that's book's been out for, for a few years. But um, I just I wanted to include it because, again, it's one of those things that um, brings some information about what we do on a yearly basis, right, is, is watch the, the parade. I also love books that invite interaction. So there's a book, Chris Houghton's Shh, We Have a Plan. Oh, I don't know this one. Oh, well, it's, it's great. It's about these four characters who are attempting to capture this really colorful bird. And there's a repetitive phrase that goes, ready one, ready two, ready three. <laughs> And of course, you know, you can guess that they miss the bird every single time. <laughs> but it's so much fun for kids to join in saying that throughout the book. And then you start hearing kids saying that all the time. And and then there's those chapter books, right? And, and that was tough, too, because there's so many classic chapter books that we want kids to know about. So I was thinking about some, some newer ones that I really are think are great for reading aloud, but also books that have maybe several books in the series. So these books have some really memorable characters. So books like the Vanderbeekers. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, And I love it too, because the kids are always trying to find a way to solve some sort of dilemma. So it's also empowering for kids to hear stories about other kids who, who do things. Um, Sometimes it work out well, maybe sometimes (laughs) they don't, but great great to have conversations around. So for any book recommendation, I spend a lot of time reading them aloud to make sure that they have a great storyline. Maybe they contain rare and unique words that will further their vocabulary, you know, stories they might relate to or connect with, or or sometimes you just got to have books that are just fun and, and humorous and are laugh out loud funny. Well, one of those laugh out loud funny books that I noticed you added, and I was so glad to see it in there, is Princess Cora and the Crocodile by Laura Amy Schlitz and illustrated by Brian Floca. And that book, well, both the audiobook and the actual, you know, the paper book, <laughs> uh, get a lot of use in our house. Probably the audiobook more than anything. It's I think it's like 45 minutes or something. It's j- it's maybe it's an hour, something like that where it's a great length for turning on and letting my kids, you know, color or do Play-Doh while I'm making dinner or whatever. And it's so funny. We just never get tired of it. The voices are done so well and it's one of those newer books that I was just delighted to see on your list. And the Vanderbeekers, which I'm a big fan of all of those books. Um oh, and, and the another one that I noticed that you added it was Free as a Bird, which is this, a picture book biography about Malala by Lena Maslow, which is so well done. And then also a book of poetry um, called Lion of the Sky, Haiku for All Seasons by Laura Purdy Salas. And we were big fans of Laura around here as well. So it's, it was fun to see some of those new books on the list. Um, I felt like I was seeing my friends in the newspaper. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> and, and that's what I, you know, it's the... I do think the classics are important, but 
I just so often have questions from parents and teachers to say, what what are some newer books that I can read? And so that's what I hope to include um, in the, in the new edition is some some of those newer books, but also always encourage parents to you know seek out some of those classics oh, yeah. too because there's a reason why they've been around for as long as they have but it's also fun to find some new yes, books. Yes, it's true and you have lots of classics in here. Um I see just flipping it through it flipping through it here in my hands I see, you know, Stuart Little, um The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle and The Where the Red Fern Grows and The Whipping Boy, just so many um classic picture books I'm seeing. And that's a trick. I, I think it is very tricky. When I was making when I was writing the Read Aloud Family and we're and I was making the book list at the back of that book, um, I ran up against the same kind of question of how do you balance classics that are so good to read aloud and we and we really do want in our children's repertoire, but then um and we and they're such a delight to experience anyway with some really excellent new books. Uh, but I think you've done a beautiful job here. So I just Again, I'll say hats off to you because I think this is a marvelous book list. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you because I know you're a voracious reader as well. And um, so I'm glad there's there's some books that you saw and hopefully some new ones that maybe you Yes, there are yet. several. I've got little uh, stars next to to go check out <laughs> to get my hands on. book is it's like we've said it's the eighth edition and you've had such an up close experience with it why do you think this book and this message of reading aloud continues to endear parents generation after generation you know that's such a great question and i've heard from so many parents about how this book changed their lives and their relationship with their children sarah you have a great story in the read aloud family about how this book impacted you. Do you want to oh, share I'd that? Oh, I'd love to. Um, so yes, my oldest daughter is 18, but when she was one, uh, uh, I was at a friend's house and she was making some lunch for us and I just happened to see on her mantle a book that had a bazillion <laughs> post-its in it. So being the snoop that I am, I picked it up to see what she was reading with such eagerness and it was the Read Aloud Handbook. And I thought, I've never heard of this before. So I was kind of flipping through it and asked Christine, you know, do you like this book? And she said, oh, my gosh, yes. T take it home with you. Uh, see what you think. But it's so inspiring. So I took it home. And it really was uh, the first time I think I had encountered the idea of reading aloud for its own sake. So somehow in my mind, I don't think I'd ever really intend intentionally thought this. It's just sort of my assumption, I guess, was that you read aloud to small children because they can't read to themselves yet. And then once they read, can read on their own, then they should read on their own, like we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Um, and that that would be the superior way to experience any kind of story or reading. And Jim's book was the first one that really opened my idea to reading aloud being a good all unto its own and having its own benefits and its own joys. And it really just broke open this idea of what we're actually doing when we sit down and share a story with our children. And that act, I guess, reading aloud as a gift, like you said earlier, reading it aloud as an act of love. Um, so different than, than also there's, of course, great joy and beauty in curling away in your bed under the covers and reading a book on your own. But this 
this unique and palpable connective tissue that that grows when we share a story with our kids. And so uh, I really feel like it was, you know, those early days of parenting are so formative to the rest of your parenting journey. And meeting Jim's book in those early days had such a profound impact on the rest of the way uh, I engaged with my kids in books. So... It's true. It, I think it meets us. And I, you know, when I, I don't know what edition that was, but it would have been 2002, probably. So whatever edition was out in 2002 is probably the one that first captured my eye. It wasn't the first edition. I know that. <laughs> and you mentioned something earlier too, Sarah, about, you know, that sometimes we need, we, we might know it within ourselves, but sometimes we need that almost affirmation that something as seemingly simple as reading aloud to a child can make a huge difference in their world and also in our own. It's it's not about teaching a child to read, but rather about offering children the pleasure oh, so of reading. Good. Yes. And that there's something it's something so magical, right? That can be found in books. I love how you just said that. It's not just about teaching kids how to read, but about offering them the gift, this gift and delight in reading, the pleasure of reading. Um and I think that paradigm shift can have just a profound impact on the rest of their life in all different ways, not just in their actual reading life, but in their life as they encounter other humans and people and trials and tribulations of their own um, really fortifies them in such unique ways that we can't really predict, but is a tremendous gift that we offer our kids. So, well, I am so grateful for your work on this new edition. I'm delighted to know that the book is going to, am I right then in 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 thinking it's going to continue to be updated over the years by you? I think so. Right after the eighth edition was published, Jim started sending me news items and articles he'd read (laughs) and said this very simple message, it's time to start thinking about the ninth edition. So I'm hopeful (laughs) that it will continue to live on. Um, I think this is such an amazing legacy that he has created for all of us. So Yes, that is my hope, that that the ninth edition will be on its way here in a couple more years. Excellent. Well, Cindy, thank you so very much for taking some time to chat with us. We're going to have links, of course, in the show notes today for where everybody can get their hands on this book. And that's at readaloudrevival.com slash 153. Cindy, I hope that we can chat again soon because I have loved talking with you. Oh, Sarah, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And please keep doing what you're doing because... You're just bringing books to families and in turn to to children and really impacting their lives. So thank you so much. And it's been so much fun. And I hope we get to meet in person sometime and, and also just continue the conversation. Hi, Sarah. My name is Hebron. I am seven year olds, eight next week. I live in Christchurch, New Zealand. And my, name, and my favorite book is the Famous Five series by Enid Blyton. I love it because they have a dog and they, when they're together, they always have adventures. Hello, Sarah. My name's Mariah and I'm 11 years old and I live in Christchurch, New Zealand. I'm a total bookworm and my mum has read for me, well, basically since I was born and I love books and it's really hard to choose my favourite, but my favourite at the moment is The Goose Girl by Shannon Hale and I like it because she's always in trouble and never can get out of it and there's, she has lots of adventures and it all comes out right in the end. Hi, my name is Sarah and I'm 
my name is Olivia. I'm seven. My favorite book is Gerald and Piggy, and I live in America. What's your name? Maggie. How old are you? Four. No, you're three. Three. Um, what's your favorite book? Uh, Caterpillars. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Uh huh. Um, where do you live? I live in Oregon. And, um, why do you like The Hungry Caterpillar? Because it's my favorite, and um, I really like it, and it's my very best favorite. Hello, my name is Ria, and I'm from Crystal Lake, Illinois. How old are you? Four. I'm four years old. And my favorite book is The Chronicles of Narnia. I like The Chronicles of Narnia because because Emmett smashes the white witch's wand, and I like it so much because my friends Brooke and Pierre have a Narnia game, and I put out a good team with Pierre, and and Brooke was put out a bad team with the witch. What's your name? Emmy. Emmy. How old are you? Two. What's your favorite book? Oh, Flashing Boy. Does she fall off a roof? Francine Flake catches the ghost raccoon? Uh-huh. Is that your favorite book? Hello, my name is Nora Somerville. I am 12 years old. I live in Virginia. My favorite book is Dealings with Dragons by Patricia C. Reed. I like it because there's a princess and she gets to work for a dragon. It's a really fun story and I highly recommend it. Hi, my name is Elsa. I'm seven years old. I live in Virginia. And my favorite book is Dr. Seuss. I like it because it rhymes. Hey, good recommendations, kids, as always. If your kids want to be aired on the podcast, go to readaloudrevival.com. Scroll down until you find the button where you can leave a let the kids speak message. Because we love to hear from your kids, what you are reading aloud to them, what they're reading on their own. It all counts. We love to hear your kids' thoughts on the books they're reading. The show notes for today's episode are at readaloudrevival.com slash 153. That newest edition of the Read Aloud Handbook is available now, and it is worth having on your shelf. And also, don't forget, if you want your kids to participate in our fantastic upcoming workshop series, Writers on Writing, we get started next week. Every week's workshop is going to be available as a replay in premium as well. And this can replace your writing curriculum if you just need to change things up a little bit. If you just need to spice things up and you want to finish strong, I think this is going to be a really good way to do that. We'd love to have you join us. You can sign up and get all the details at rarpremium.com. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, you know what to do. (laughs) Go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books.